Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Loops Are Up Here. I am Dr. Priyanka Patel. And I'm Dr. Shivani Kamodia. And today we have Dr. Diana Liu joining us, and we are talking about contentment versus happiness. So it's a very interesting concept and a topic that I think everyone is craving to learn more about and everyone's craving to find more positivity in their life. So we're excited for this conversation. Welcome to the show, Diana. Hi, guys. It's so nice to be here. And thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the topic. So I'm a dentist in Seashelt, um, British Columbia. And my path through dentistry, like many people, was a long stream of academia. Um, So we did an undergrad in uh, chemistry. And then after that, um, I did a master's of business and then worked as a financial analyst for a year and a half and then realized I wanted to go back to school. I hated that job and decided to get into dentistry. Um, But through that whole path, you know, my focus was always about achievements. Um, In high school, you know, I got a full scholarship to university. In university, the first year I achieved the highest GPA. Um, And I'm just saying this not to like brag or anything, but just to, it, it was, a realization that I was working so hard for these achievements. And in the process, I was also destroying my own health and my body. So I neglected my health completely just to be able to attain these goals. And even though, you know, a lot of these achievements did benefit me in ways where I didn't have to pay a lot for, you know, my, my master's of business program or my undergraduate. So there was a lot of benefits to that, but at the same time, there's a lot of detriments to my health, my well-being. Um, I was having panic attacks, high anxiety, lots of um, just symptoms in my body that was telling me to just stop doing this. <laughs> and and then I also realized in the process that like, you know, after that one achievement, I would just move on to the next and to the next. And it was just a fleeting moment of a dopamine rush that, you know, I was really proud of myself, but then it was just on to the next thing. And that past achievement was just a faded memory. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to discover yoga in the process. Um, my mother at the age of 40 decided to get her, her yoga teacher's training um, without really, she never really did yoga, but it was, my mom is one of those people where she, um, as soon as she gets an idea, she's like, she's like, I'm going to go for it. And so um, my dad and I were questioning, like, why do you even want to get your yoga teacher training? You never really practice. She's like, I want to do this. So she did her yoga teachers training. um, It was a six month program. And I watched her just completely revolutionize her own health. And there's a shift in her personality. She became just more positive just a different mindset. And that's what drew me to the practice. And then, so while I was finishing up my master's of business, I decided to give yoga. So there's a studio um, in my community where I, um, there's a 30 day yoga. um, What are those things called? Where uh, a 30 day yoga trial challenge. challenge, Exactly. Um, 
and it was only like $30. So I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. And I actually did yoga for 30 days straight. And there was some sort of change in my, myself where it was after like the first week, I just felt more stable. I just felt more grounded. And I think it was the first time I actually experienced true joy um, during Shavasana. I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't know the words to call it, but it was almost just this like heaviness and this release that lifted off my body. Um, and I, and, and there was a level of a state of being that I, I never recognized before. Um, and then that, that was, and then, you know, five years later, um, got my yoga teachers training and that journey on its own was another, another story in itself of an inner transformation of, um, a state of being where you, where I got to a place where anything in my life could just go wrong and South and, I was still able to find a sense of peace um, and even a sense of gratitude and appreciation, even in some of the toughest moments. So that's kind of why this topic is so dear to my heart um, of contentment versus happiness, um, where contentment for me is almost, I think of it like a tree and contentment are your roots. So when you have really deep roots in the earth, no matter if there's high winds or a hurricane around you or like a tsunami that hits the tree, <laughs> hopefully you're still kind of stable. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so a really that's, great analogy that, for it. Yeah. And yeah. happiness is like, like, it's just like sadness. It's just like anger. It's just a fleeting emotion that comes and goes. And so that's why I'm, you know, I I get myself caught up in like chasing happiness still, because that's, I think, what our culture, especially in the West, um, we have thousands of books written about it. You know, you should be happy time. If you're not happy, there's something wrong with you. So many people are on antidepressants because they, they think there's something wrong with them. But I really think we are focusing on the wrong state of being what really distinguishes, you know, happiness versus contentment? Because I think about contentment as being content and being fine with where I am versus happiness. I've created this, like, you know, it it sits on this pedestal and it's all the way up here. But in reality, when I started researching more and learning about it, they're not all that different and you're not really making a sacrifice for contentment, you know, like you're not selling yourself short, I guess, maybe that's not the right phrasing, but can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between the two so that people can kind of grasp it a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Um, So in my own um, perspective, I would say um, the way I see happiness, it's a feeling, It's it's a state of emotion. Um, I, I see it as almost like a dopamine rush. So for example, if, um, you know, you, you, you met a boy that you really like and you feel, you know, these, this state of excitement or this, like, you're, you're just, you, you feel this elevated emotion. Um, that's for me, happiness. Or if I'm doing a beautiful hike or 
Um, I'm doing something that, you know, produces the sense of elevated state of being. Um, sometimes it can also look like addictive patterns. So for me, like even being on Instagram and getting a like, or that can also be a source of dopamine rush, right? Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that until it becomes like almost a dependency. Um, I think happiness is just like sadness is very important in our life um, as an emotion. But the way I see and feel contentment is like this acceptance of whatever you have in your life is perfect the way it is. And even though in other people's eyes, it's not perfect, but if you can find that appreciation and gratitude for whatever situation you're in, um, and even though you may not feel it immediately, obviously, when you're going through something really um, hard in your life, you won't feel that immediately, but eventually um, you, I, I'll come to a place where I can find the gratitude and find the appreciation and respect the hardships. And I, and that is contentment for me. It's, it's not like everything is just fine the way it is and there's no growth and there's no learning, but it's like, for example, um, a really hard thing that I went through in the last couple of years is I um, went through a divorce and I moved across the country and had to, and restarted my life all over. And my life completely fell apart in other people's eyes. I would be, you know, my parents' eyes, divorce is viewed as something that's very like, um, shouldn't be talked about. It's like an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then moving across the country and not knowing anybody in my surroundings um, and not knowing this place was very scary. Um, but through that whole experience and, you know, hitting some rock bottoms, I was still able to find joy in my moments every day. For example, just driving around my area, which has beautiful mountains and oceans and just really taking in that moment or just sipping on a warm, you know, tea and looking into the sunset. Like there's just, and that for me is contentment is just being in acceptance with what is and respecting the hardships and finding the learning opportunities in the hardships and that, and then building that resilience. So I think there's a resilience within contentment um, that no matter what happens in our life, we can always create a new story. We can always rewrite a new narrative and pick up the pieces that you want to pick back up and drop the ones that you want to just let go of. Wow. Um, there are so many nuggets in there that I want to dig into. First of all, like, thank you for, for being so vulnerable and sharing um, some of these details because uh, that can be hard to, to put out there. So I appreciate that. And I know listeners well as well. Um, and your explanation of contentment I really do. I think that's a perfect um, distinguishing factor between happiness and contentment. And I actually, one of the articles that you had sent, what I really liked from, from um, 
written in the article from Berkeley was that the root of the word contentment comes from the Latin contentus, which means held together, intact, or whole. And so like it was really just to describe containers, like cups or buckets. And then, you know, the article writes that the word evolved to something that could reflect onto a person, which describes one who feels complete with no desires beyond themselves. Contentus asks the question, how whole do you feel inside? How complete are you as a human being? So it is a much like broader word than happiness. Like happiness is that fleeting emotion, something that will pass. And contentment is that whole wholeness of yourself that and it reminds me of how Brene Brown talks about wholehearted living. Like it's that mm-hmm. enough strategy you have, you are enough and you are simply having that wholeness of your body and, and realizing and knowing in your bones that you are enough. I mean, Shivani, before you go to your next point, just to kind of tag off of that, like, I think what's so interesting is like, especially well, the three of us, you know, obviously achieving where we have in life, um, Diana, gold star Diana, you know, ace in classes and <laughs> being the top of her class as well. I mean, we're as high achieving individuals, you know, I think we fail to see sometimes that we can be whole and complete in where we are because we're always like seeking kind of that next you know, that next step, the next step. And like you've talked about, like trying to find happiness and, you know, forgetting to um, about the present, the now, the sunsets that you've described, you know, those moments that really can bring us like really that internal true joy, you know, and, you know, contentment in the truest sense of the word, you know. And so I think that, you know, grounding ourselves again is just, it's such an important part of um, feeling whole, you know, and not feeling lost and feeling empty, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and almost like it, like just you existing as a human being that you are enough, you know, you, you don't need to seek approval from others for love um, I think that's one of the hardest things for me to really live that way um, constantly, you know, and that's like a goal for me. It's like getting to a place. And I think for me, like wholeness comes from, uh, it's like an inward journey. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, uh, well, yoga nidra has helped me get to that place. Yoga Nidra is a sleep guided meditation. So any meditative practice, um, just sitting there and being bored (laughs) and being with yourself um, can take you to a place of realizing that you existing and just being you is enough. Um, And that we don't have to keep like, you know, we all have gifts that we want to share to the world, but then it's asking the subtle question of, well, why do I want to share this? Is it to prove my own worth? Is it to gain more love and acceptance from other people? Or is it from a place of, I have a message that is really important that I want to get out there. 
So it, it, it's even though the effect might be the same, like the action, but what place is it coming from? And that is for me, you know, something that I, I battle with all the time. It's like what I'm doing, you know, something, um, writing a message or, um, wanting to become this person, like we're all kind of striving to become whatever it is we want to become. And we want to serve the world. We want to share our gifts. We want to touch other people's lives, but where is that drive coming from? Is it, I should be doing more. I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. So that's, I feel like coming more from a place of lack um, that I've internally have, you know, definitely have experienced a lot of that, or is it, I am enough and I have the opportunity to do these things. It kind of takes that pressure off or like, do I feel like doing this today? Yeah. Worthiness is such a difficult, I struggle with that a lot. It's, you know, I can say, I know I'm enough. Like I, I can yeah. objectively, you know, yeah. I know you're enough and I know I'm enough, but to really feel it. And that, that's a really great practice. Thank you for sharing that to, to just ask myself or ask yourself what's the intention behind what you're doing where where is this coming from and why I think that's a really important question that a lot of times I don't ask myself so that's a great way to put it and I think there's also um you know with contentment it's that you are enough inside and just recognizing that and with happiness it's a lot of seeking more so Mm -hmm. I almost think of, and Diana, we've talked about this before of it's not finding or achieving or reaching a point that the idea with reaching contentment in living fulfilled is uncovering those layers. Like it's already within you. And so the, the practice of meditation or stillness, or, you know, even the physical yoga asana is just about stripping away those layers. Um, And I think that's, just such a hard thing to do. It's, it requires to being very vulnerable to strip away those layers because I think there's some fear in, in the stillness. I am definitely one to be a little afraid. I'm intimidated by that quiet, by the stillness of maybe what's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what is where, what sort of fear would you say you have? Ooh, she's turning the questions on to me. <laughs> um, it's wow. funny, I've been asking the same thing, Shivani, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's not, maybe not necessarily a fear, um, discomfort. It's a discomfort. Like, I'm just not comfortable with being still and silent. And I think it's been very ingrained in me um, culturally just to, to do more constantly asking the question, okay, what next? Like after I've accomplished something, I'm not savoring or celebrating myself. I'm just moving on to the next thing. Um, and, and it's that really hurried fast pace of life of like trying to just reach that next moment. Um, and so it's, I've become really comfortable with that. And so it can be scary to do something that is uncomfortable. It's like stretching a new muscle that I haven't really used. I, you know, it's interesting you bring up that point. I feel like I've seen that in my parent. I know like how Diana, you saw that in your mom. Recently, I would say within the last 10 years, I mean, 
in Indian culture, there's always this meditative component, especially with prayer. But recently, it's like I said, in the last 10 years, I've seen her shift her energy, kind of really similar to how your mom did it, Diana, but in a, in a different way of like trying to slow down, because I agree with you, Shivani. I think culturally, we're looking for that next bite, you know, that nice, the next thing. And um, it instills in us that like, we can't be content in where we are right now. And I'm the same way. I think I definitely, I don't know if it's a fear or discomfort. I, I have to think about that a little bit more, but stillness is like, I don't know. It's like, it's a little icky to me. <laughs> like it, it feels a little icky. I don't know if that's the right word, but like, I think it's an amazing thing. And it's like, how do I get to the point of where I can feel comfortable with my own thoughts, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, how do you, how do you get there? How do you feel comfortable? Especially when your brain is so programmed. I think, well, one thing that I was really pondering about this last couple of weeks is that the West as a culture um, attaches production with self-worth. And if you look at the way we measure our, our, um, our worth as a, as a, uh, as a country, which is GDP, right, um, is our production. And so, because I've lived in Germany, even though Germany is a very, also very productive oriented, but it's such a different culture in the way they value so much more um, your just well-being, like people minimum get a month off and have all the stat holidays on top of that. And it's such a I mean, I used to be married to a German. That's why I know a lot about German culture. Um, but even, you know, when I traveled in Costa Rica, it is such a different way of life in Costa Rica. You know, their mm -hmm. whole mentality is um, slow down, take it easy. Um, and, you know, it's a balance between the two, right? But I feel like in North America, it is so production driven. And so when we're not like for me, I know I'm just speaking about my own personal experience of, of sitting still is like, like when I'm sitting still, I'm like, oh, I should be doing this. Like mm -hmm. I'm wasting my time, what, but nothing's happening. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, the thoughts come up and you're like, I should be doing more. And there's so, so many things racing in the back of our minds because, you know, especially as dentists, you know, we have a lot of, and, and Priyanka as, oh, as a, as a practice owner too, like there's a lot on our plate. And so if we're not using our time wisely, then we feel like we're falling behind. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I and guess. As a dentist. Yeah. Like literally our, our success as a dentist is based on production. Like what's your, I think that's a lot of how dentists operate unless you're in maybe like public health, but I think for the majority, that's, that is a measure of worth in dentistry. So how do you separate that from when you're walking in and out of the office and, you know, um, when you are still wearing your dentist hat, your production is your, is your value or your worth? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, eight, eight to 10 hours every day drilled in our, in our brain how, how do we separate that in our daily lives and yeah. give that space to cultivate the opposite? It's almost like we're in opposition <laughs> to what we want to bring into more of our lives. But I mean, production is not a bad thing, I think, you know, but to, uh, 
an extreme level, it can be detrimental to our own well-being of burnout. Um, How do you, or even for both of you guys, like, what is your methodology so that we can have that same inner peace, that inner contentment at home or with our lives outside of that? Or even just, honestly, you leave the, leave the workplace and hit the reset button. And what are some really good tools that you guys have found that work for you? Because I feel like I still personally, I mean, 10 years almost out of practicing dentistry, I still feel like I have a hard time, one, separating the day from, you know, like the work day from my home life. And then also just when I'm getting home, you know, resetting my mind um, and rooting myself in that contentment of, okay, this is, this is where I am right now, how, I, how to be in the present and how to be appreciative of the life that I have, that I have built. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Priyanka. So when you're in your dental dentistry and you're going from one patient to the other, how do you, what do you think is your own process in that moment of your ability to go from one patient to the other and letting whatever happened go and then just really honing in on the next patient? You know what I used to do or what I found myself doing, um, what I used to do was um, take a couple seconds, like as I got out of the operatory and take like three really deep breaths in and out. And that seemed to help. And when I started getting busier, I had a hard time finding that time. And as of recently, actually, I'll even sometimes, I have really pushed myself to find that time. So sometimes it may not even be directly right after that one patient, if I'm going into numb another patient, but there's a five, that five minute period of time where after I give anesthetic, if I feel that I've really like I'm holding on to that procedure, or the root canal that didn't go so well or whatever it may be, or the crown that didn't seat for the second time and you're just so frustrated with the situation yeah. that I'll just close myself in my office and literally close my eyes and take like four deep breaths, four to five deep breaths now like really slow, deep breaths, or honestly, sometimes I, because the patients have tend to have anxiety with, you know, when you're giving anesthetic, I breathe with them. I, it's like, it's like, it's like, I've used that moment to kind of cohesively be like, okay, I can slow down my life. And I'm also helping them at the same time, but I am really, I actively have to make sure that I take that time in between because I can find that if I don't, I literally come home and I'm just like, entirely spent, you know, and I feel like I'm just like, yeah, you know, and I can't because I haven't taken that moment for myself during the day. Yeah. And Priyanka, I have another question for you. So (laughs) as, as someone who's been practicing dentistry, um, for you said about 10 years, that skill, um, or the, the practice that you have of clearing that energy is it's gotten easier and now it's not something, it's not a ritual. You really have to think too much through. It's almost like second nature, right? Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, like I said, like, but I'll tell you this, it is just as Diana earlier talking about how like it took you time to get to the, this point where you take those 30 minutes each day or all of a sudden and that shift happened. I realized that, I will have times in my weeks where I, 
it drops off, you know, and I'm not as kind to my body or kind to my mind. And um, I, I have to remind myself like, okay, I haven't done this for a few patients. So what do I need to do to hit the reset button? And that's when I sometimes will do it with my patient, like the breathing exercises with them, because I can find myself even just sinking and relaxing. Or even when I just start the procedure, as I'm starting the next patient, I'll sometimes, as I'm leaning the patient back, just sit and take a really big deep breath in and just take a really big deep breath out and kind of sink into my new chair and sink into a new mindset. But Mm -hmm. It definitely, it's, it's a lot of, it's become natural, but at the same time, it's, it's very easy to fall off the bandwagon, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly how I, I feel about mindfulness and like having daily rituals at home, like the exact same thing. It's really challenging to start those, but once you are, find some consistency and there's momentum of you're starting maybe to see some of those long-term results. Um, it, it can really drive the practice and continuing a daily practice. But I think it's all in those daily rituals that you're doing. And that is a ritual that you have of breathing with your patient, resetting before you start. And so I guess your question is like, how do we bring that practice that we've become good at as dentists, how do we bring that now out of the office and into our lives? And that's the same thing. Like I, myself as a yoga teacher, and I know Diana loves to say this, um, of the same thing as how, how you show up on your mat is how you're showing up in your life. So using your yoga mat as uh, I'll let Diana tell this part, cause it's her line. (laughs) (laughs) How do you like to use your mat? (laughs) Um, as a training ground for your life. Um, so exactly what Shivani wholeheartedly agree with that, um, through just my own personal journey is, is the daily rituals. Um, my, the most important daily ritual in my own life is my morning ritual, hands down. My morning ritual is, is non-negotiable on a work day, especially, especially because now I've been, I'm working 10 hour days. So in order for me to keep up that momentum and be present with my patient and not burn out by the end, that morning ritual is like, like so necessary. And, um, and so I'll I'll wake up and this has been probably my morning ritual for the last, I've changed it a little bit, um, but it's been like this probably for the last year, which is, uh, so I, I start work at nine, I'll get up at six, um, and I'll usually when I get up at six, I'm a little tired. So I do yoga nidra. I find it's like the perfect segue into I'm like a little tired. So I'll set my alarm for 645, do 30 minutes of yoga nidra, have an alarm set so that I don't fall back asleep. <laughs> and then after yoga nidra, get up, you know, um, do my hygiene stuff and then um, do 30 minutes of, of yoga. Um, and then I make my morning smoothie. I pack my lunch, I make a tea, I have lots of water. Um, and then I'll uh, just during that moment in my mind, you know, think about what I, what sort of intention I want to bring into my day, but there's almost this momentum in my morning routine where 
it's almost like, cause I need a, a certain momentum in my morning routine so I can bring that flow into my dentistry. So I find if I'm in a good flow state in my morning routine, then in dentistry, you know, some, I'll just finish on time naturally, or even a little early and just things will flow really smoothly. Or even if I'm running late, the next patient somehow decides not to show up. And it's just this, this cool flow that happens. Um, the, the moment, the days that I didn't have my morning routine were the days that I've noticed a big difference. Um, and then at the end of the day, I find I actually have a decent amount of energy um, but then I'll always do even a 30 minute movement practice after work, um, before dinner. So even if it's 10, sometimes 10 minutes, just something where I just can separate work and my day. So it usually looks like I get home from work. I'll definitely take a shower. Cause I find taking a shower, just like you clean off, you know, all the energies from the day. So just a shower, sometimes turn it on to cold if it's in the summertime, <laughs> just to kind of wash that away and then um, do some stretches, some deep breathing. And then I love to make food, like a, like just, I find just cooking so meditative afterwards. That helps me also separate my days, like just interacting with food and creating something and, and then preparing that for um, my partner and I find a lot of joy in that. That helps me separate whatever happened during the day um, and to, to kind of let that go. So that's, I'm curious what, uh, what your, your routines or rituals you guys have um, that really helps. But that, that for me, those are, those are some of uh, the key things that I do. And then even an evening, evening rituals for me have been a little bit of a struggle. Sometimes I find I can be on my laptop a little too late, but that's something I'm really working on now. But yeah, I, it's, I think it's the rituals, like the daily habits that over, you know, after a long time, like even after a couple months, you'll realize those things that you really need and you almost become dependent on these rituals. Like as soon as you don't have the ritual, you'll be like, oh, like I'm not in a good state. I need, it's like medicine. It's like, I need this thing to, and then now I'm like, okay, now I'm feeling a lot better. Well, yeah, I think a ritual, what's so important about it is it allows you, like we talk about being grounded with ourselves, you know, it brings that internal happiness, um, you know, and you feel like whether it's the morning, the evening, whatever it is. And I feel like most people that feel really content with themselves and where they are, it tends to be more in the morning because like setting the day, you know, and I feel like it's so like you're talking about, like, you feel like you're already in a better state of mind, which allows us to let go so much more of this, like achieving happiness, you know, distinguishing between joy and fear and all those kinds of things, because you've set up that intention for the day on the right foot and that allows you to approach anything that comes your way with like a different lens. Right. And um, that's the one thing I know I've struggled with. And as I'm starting to kind of get into a state of, yes, my morning ritual is my morning ritual is um, to get up, uh, especially on Mondays and Tuesdays when I have to be at work at 6.30 in the morning. Um, it is to get up at 5.50, brush my teeth and get out the door at five o'clock, uh, sorry, six o'clock. And I would say that every Monday and Tuesday, I feel rushed when I start the day. 
And on Wednesdays and Thursdays, when we have later days and I wake up, I'm able to work out. I'm able to have my morning coffee, make my breakfast, even on, even on Fridays where I start at nine, I am definitely going into those days with a clearer mind than I ever, ever do on a Monday and Tuesday because I'm not rushed in the morning and it makes such a difference in how I approach the day, how I feel about the day in general. I'm done at seven, eight o'clock at night and I still have more energy on Wednesdays and Thursdays than I do on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's crazy how much that makes such a difference and honestly, how much more rejuvenated I feel at the end of the day and how even if the day doesn't go perfectly, I have an easier time shedding these kind of external things and able to look more within myself and be like, okay, this, this, this is just how the day went. I'm good. I'm going to come home, spend time with my husband, spend time with myself and be able to go to bed. And I go somehow to bed with a clear conscience. I don't know why, but it's, it really is incredible. Just the distinguish, distinguishing, you know, factors in like the beginning of the week versus the middle and the end of the week. Yeah, I've been working on one. Um, I read the book Miracle Morning a few, probably like two, two or three years ago. And, um, you know, outlines a really nice structure for a morning routine. And I'm actually, Dr. Sonia Chopra recommended the book 5am club. So I'm reading that right now as well. I'm more of a 6am club person though. So (laughs) I wake up at six in most days. Thank goodness for my husband though. Cause I think without him, it would be much harder for me to actually like get out of bed. So, um, you know, he's the type of person, the alarm goes off and he's, he's out, he never snoozes. So that's been really nice. Um, to help motivate me as well. And I'm, you know, every, every week, I feel like I have a different type of morning routine, but I do really like finding a routine or maybe different seasons of my life. I need different things. And right now I'm in a season where I have been loving. um, I start with uh, some mindful movement. So either yoga or Pilates, some type of like gentle movement that is still strength-based, um, but it feels really good, uh, restorative yoga. And then I'll end with a meditation, sometimes some breath work as well. Uh, I do a little bit of journaling. Some days I just write a couple things that I'm grateful for. And some days I do, I have like a full journal structure that I like to follow that takes about five minutes. So just depending on what I feel, I've just, at this time in my life, I'm trying to take the pressure off of you know, hitting each, uh, each thing, like it's a task. So if it feels good and it's what I want to do, I'm doing that, but I have that set up. And then I've been really just loving sitting and drinking my coffee and reading. So I've been reading for like 20 minutes every morning and gosh, it's probably my favorite part of my entire day is those 20 minutes. I put a really cozy blanket over me and my dog snuggles. And it's just like, so peaceful sometimes just like sitting there and not even reading but just enjoying that moment of sipping my coffee yeah I do that for about 20 20 minutes or so and then I head off to work and I think it's been really shifting my energy at work as well you're right that that feeling of being rushed in the morning or where you're a little behind schedule I think it can snowball throughout the day so when I'm starting off on that foot it's really really nice and it sets up for a peaceful morning I mean in 5am club he Robin Sharma the line is 
own your morning, elevate your life. So just own your morning, own your day, elevate your life. And I love that. Um, what I do struggle with though, is kind of like Diana mentioned, it's the days that I'm working, I'm very on top of my morning routine. You know, I have all these practices that I know are good for me, are healthy, protect my energy, but it's the days that I'm not working that I'm very lax about things. And I'm just, you know, kind of maybe go on my phone first thing in the morning, or um, I don't have that structure. I don't carve out the time for my movement or my meditation because I'm like, oh, I have the whole day available. I'll just do it when I get to it. And that's where I'm struggling of just having the discipline to continue that morning routine, even when I'm not working or on a schedule. Do you guys ever feel like that when you have a full day, it's, it's harder to actually get some things done? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, you have all this time and you're like, oh, I have all this, you know, it's not as structured, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes structure can really be beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, to, to build off of and it's helped a lot of us obviously achieve where we are and also you know finding that you know I mean structure like your morning routines have helped you guys close you be closer to finding that um that inner peace that inner happiness but it takes that structure and repetition and you know to to get there yeah it's practice and it's hard it's hard work I feel like that's something that we don't talk about a lot of takes discipline or it's you know, it takes strength within yourself to really make that commitment to yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we're doing these healthy practices to, for, for ourselves and for the people in our lives so we can show up as our best versions and, um, you know, as, as dentists as well for our patients. So it's hard, it's hard work. It's not as easy sometimes as it might look. Although I do love the, the cozy reading with my dog. That's easy. <laughs> yes finding those um, moments of are really just like you said they all just build on themselves too a little bit right where each little moment of that pause or the breath that you take or the sigh of relief or that you know that moment that you're taking to nourish yourself um, they all can build on each other you know and or they all do build on each other in a positive way because you're taking time for you <laughs> which people yeah. forget, like you can only be the best self, your best self. If you take care of yourself, if you're not taking care of yourself, it only makes it harder to take care of others. No, but that's so true, Bianca. We often forget that. Um, and, and, you know, that's why the more we cultivate this ritual and self daily self-practice, it's like you train your brain to naturally just take care of yourself. Um, and that also resonates with our staff too. You know, I know, you know, some of the staff has shared me in other offices, they don't, they barely get a lunch or the dentist doesn't care for their own well-being. And sometimes if I'm running late, I will clean the room with my assistant. I'll say, I'm going to clean the room with you. I know we're running late. Like I can take the patient in as you're getting a longer lunch, you know, just, bringing that care to our staff if because we're caring for ourselves and we're like we value that they get to eat that they you know go to the bathroom yeah they don't feel that so it just it's like it starts from you Mm -hmm. and you might need to change things in your environment to allow for that like to like you said always just have water nearby so like 
buy a ton of water bottles and keep one. I keep one in my car. I keep one next to my bed. I keep one next to the TV. So like, no matter where I'm at, I have a water bottle. Or if you struggle with, if you want a journaling practice and that's something that you want to bring into your life, make it easy for yourself and keep a journal ready there for you at a certain time every day. Maybe you always sit and eat breakfast at the same spot. So put the journal there and, and, add that into your routine to make it easier for yourself. So I think sometimes when we want to make these changes, it sounds all fine and great, but then actually executing is hard and to get yourself to, to do it is difficult, is challenging. If maybe you don't like meditating because you're cold in the morning, like what, how can we change that and make it easier, more convenient and pleasurable to do? I think that's uh, hard thing where you may need to change your life. Maybe you've structured your day in a way where it is go, go, go. So you may need to tell your scheduling staff to change a little bit of how your patients are scheduled as well. And so that can be, those are maybe the uncomfortable things that take time to integrate into your life. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And it's that we're measured by productivity and we're measured, we measure ourselves by those, you know, um, those numbers and that equates to self-worth and it's like oh my god what if I'm taking time for myself then I'm not doing this one procedure and it's like am I doing something wrong or should my day not be like this I'm not that productive I mean I had a Monday the other day where honestly my day was filled with one surface fillings like almost the whole day and I was I, I mean, it's a lot of fillings in a day, but I was just like super happy. <laughs> we had been having crazy weeks. And one week I was doing like three molar, like molar root canals. And I, whenever I do a root canal, I do like a root canal buildup and crown if I can do it all in the same appointment. So they're all like two hour blocks. So like to have those breaks, we have to remind ourselves that every day cannot be jam packed mm-hmm. because we are not being kind to ourselves when we do those things. And the reason we reach achieve or reach this state, excuse me, of feeling unhappy with where we're at or unhappy with how life is going, I think sometimes goes back to this goal we think that we need to be at and circle back to and work towards. And we forget to take those little times like we talked about throughout the day. And we forget to take that time for ourselves and that all builds and it comes back down to what we've kind of really been talking about really this whole episode it's like we need to take time for ourselves we need to develop I think having a morning routine or whatever ritual that it works for you or even these little segments throughout the day I mean I think we need to start working on you know looking back at ourselves and who we are and what really makes us feel feel fulfilled, you know, outside of the, the monetary aspect or outside of those, you know, those measures of success that this Western world has, you know, essentially, I'm going to use the word imposed, but kind of imposed on us, you know? Yeah. I would say even as far as, yeah, like imposed or, 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 or molded our brains to, to do, to feel that, that we need to be super productive, to feel good. Like good is associated with production, um, but is not necessarily 
the good for our well-being. And I love what you pointed out, Priyanka, is that, you know, when there's those moments where we get to take a breath, it's like, it's a privilege. I get one surface filling. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. I don't have to do five recalls in that day. <laughs> privilege that that patient canceled and my morning was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be jam-packed um, where you have a little more time to get to know a patient on a deeper level. Um, so Diana, I have a question for you. And as we're talking about contentment and happiness, I think it's very easy for people to fall into the trap of saying, if I do this, then I'll be happy. Or when I accomplish this goal, then I will be happy. How do you address that now. I know as women in dentistry, we're very goal oriented people. So how do you go about setting goals for yourself? Um, and, and I guess the timeline of that and what do you, what is that internal dialogue? It's for me, um, alleviating the pressure, like trying to, I think, you know, it's important to still set goals. It's not, I don't, think contentment for myself means like stop learning stop growing but it's more about what place it's coming from like I don't I based on past experiences I I get into the habit of over scheduling myself and being like oh I can take on this and this and this and then I get to a place where like I get overwhelmed and I'm like why did I take on so much and then I like drop this and I and I just rearrange the whole thing again and I keep repeating that pattern and so through a lot of repeating that pattern now um for example uh sleep dental sleep medicine is a passion of mine and you know that world is a very very different world because then you can get into uh you know treating children with now I'm getting into myobrace and oral appliance therapy with adults um, but then you can also get into phrenectomies and palatal expansions. And so there's this whole world where, you know, I realized I'm like, just slow down, you know, mm-hmm. really get the foundations. Like even for dental sleep medicine, I've done a couple residencies just on oral appliances. And there's so much in there that I still, um, can just practice more of rather than just jump to the next thing. So it's like going back to the foundations, I call it. So even though I may have learned it, you know, how do I really dial it in so that I can really refine it, improve on what I already know and deepen that. So now my my shift is focusing rather than okay, now it's this thing, now it's the next thing. It's not about that anymore. It's about how do I really strengthen a skill that I already know and refine it a little more, get to know it a little deeper. So like more about thinking about mastering something rather than being trying to do too many things at once. That's kind of my new approach I'm trying to cultivate. So for example, um, even a filling, right? There's so much that we do. We do so many fillings a day. Now I'm looking at, okay, how do I decrease my post-op sensitivity? How do I decrease the amount of times that the patient has to come back for an adjustment? How do I do better prep designs? Go back to the basics. How can I suture better? How can I, you know, 
I'm really now looking at going back to what I already know and deepening that and maybe refining it. Even my yoga practice now too, it's like, you know, as, as a yoga teacher, just the basic movements, how can I get more deep in one pose that I've been doing for so long? Um, so that's a, it's a different shift I'm having now. And I feel more at peace with that, just, just going back to the roots, the foundation. And that's what I think contentment is, is, is deepening your roots so that it just doesn't feel as overwhelming. And once you have really deep roots then just, you can build on a solid foundation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It takes a lot of dedication to, to be in the place that you are. And I'm really glad we have this conversation. So I think there's a lot of techniques and practices that people can walk away from after hearing this, but it really does have to start with that internal shift of knowing and wanting that there is a distinction and a difference between searching for more or searching for happiness versus peace and content within knowing that you're enough. I think that's it's an internal shift that needs to happen before you can even go past further down that path. Thank you for answering that question. Yeah, I and I and and even I'm looking at now like how do I minimalize more? Like I, right now I'm kind of going through even more decluttering um, of the stuff that I have, and I've I've really looked into like more living more minimalist lifestyle. There's a really good documentary on Netflix called Minimalist, um, and I started thinking about the less strategy. You know, I think in North America it's about more money, more production, more validation, more stuff. Like, and I'm now trying to explore the less, less simplifying, decluttering. Um, eliminating, lightening, like that's, I'm trying this path out and seeing how it goes, but I've, um, based on a lot of uh, the concepts that I've read and just my own personal experience, I really think it's about less. I've come to realize um, how much um, fulfillment I get out of getting organized or when Marie Kondo came out, just decluttering and, you know, thinking a material object, which in reality, especially culture, you think back, like they tell you about, you know, you know, we are just our soul and everything else is just materials that are around us. But these material objects are like, okay, thank you for what you've done. And, um, and then, and, you know, putting it away and donating it or whatnot. But I think the decluttering is not even just the material objects. It allows us when we start to live less, whether it's within the people that don't serve us anymore in terms of our friend groups or um, the things in our lives that we're doing that aren't serving us in the same way, even such as like certain activities, you know, you're doing things just because you should do them or you feel like you should, you should do them instead of doing them with intention. I feel like once you start to declutter, do less, as you've talked about, that can even apply to your mind. It all of a sudden frees up your mind, right? And frees up your soul. And you feel more deeply rooted and like, okay, I feel really good about where I'm at because I've now shed myself of the things that just don't serve me anymore. And I think yeah, that there's so much uh, emotional energy that you spend 
when you do have so many attachments, physical attachments or energetic attachments, like you were talking about in relationships, maybe that don't serve you anymore. And so to, I think a a big concept in yoga is non-attachment. And that I'm sure Diana goes hand in hand with minimalism of of this idea of non-attachment and that everything you already have is within yourself. So these material items aren't really bringing in more joy or, um, you know, you have that within yourself already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Both of you, how you guys said that it's going through that process is also mental clearing. So, you know, we kind of go back to shedding the layers and from a practical standpoint, how do we shed the layers in one way is just to clutter our own lives is Mm -hmm. how we can shed the layers Um, because it really allows us to slow down and reflect on what is it that I still want to keep in my life and what is it that I want to let go like right now we're in the season of fall so it's really about letting go you know the leaves are falling off the trees and changing color so it's we're in a in a in a season of 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 shedding right Mm now um I can sense that everyone's feeling that right now too Mm -hmm. so um yeah. So from a practical standpoint, that could be like a, a really nice practical tool of, of, you know, really taking a step back and reflecting on the year of what really was important to me. What do I want to keep bringing into my life? And what are the things that caused a lot of stress or I didn't really want anymore? Um, what are the habits that I got into that, um, was not really serving me that you know and and slowing down to get that sort of clarity otherwise we're just repeating the same habits over and over again Um, which you know kind of like that hamster on the wheel (laughs) I think COVID was a really interesting opportunity for so many dentists to jump off that hamster wheel to not you don't have an option to work or many of us didn't have an option to work for a few months at a time and for those few months, I think between March and, and June, there were many people who just could not work. And so it really did bring to light what is essential in your life? What do you really need? And for me, my personal experience, it helped me really understand what is it that does make me happy or brings the most joy? What, what can I eliminate out of my life to create that space? I think COVID was a big factor in that for me and probably for a lot of other people and there's a really great book as well for listeners who are interested in learning a bit more about this um, by Gretchen Rubin it's called Outer Order Inner Calm and I mean the title says it all of if you can have outer order and there is less stuff it leads to that inner calm well we were talking about stillness right we're bringing finding stillness throughout the day and I think that COVID forced people to be still. They had to be home. They had to look within themselves and which is kind of everything we've really talked about. And, you know, we've all been forced to self-reflect. And I think that's such a huge part of, you know, I feel like Diana, what you were talking about in the beginning if that you've gained from these you know, the meditative practices, the rituals that you've developed, Shivani yourself, you know, um, me personally, it's been, uh, journaling has worked really well for me. Um, And 
that that in addition to decluttering with whether it's material objects or decluttering your mind or starting to live less, you know, um, or minor, more minimalist, I should say. Um, all of these things kind of as a whole have allowed us to, or hopefully can set us um, on a path of where we can find, you know, contentment within ourselves and within our lives. And all of the tools that we've kind of talked about, um, you know, whether it's, like I said, whether it's just yoga practice, yoga nidra, whether it's um, meditating, whether it's a morning ritual, journaling, whatever that works for you to find that within yourself, like reminding yourself that, you know, you are enough, what you've done is enough and everything around you is just stuff you know, and, you know, that out, just going back to even outer order, inner peace, you know, and it's setting yourself up for finding, um, like, groundedness. I don't even know if that's a word within yourself. Um, and I think that can be very powerful to help us, um, you know, move forward and feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So maybe, yeah, it's kind of looking at it as is the pursuit of peace rather than the pursuit of happiness. Um, not, yeah, the pursuit of inner peace. And that one of the most memorable um, wisdoms that I gained from my teacher during the yoga teacher's training, he said, cultivate a peaceful mind so that when we leave this world, we're in a state of peace. Um, and that for me was just super beautiful because it just like just even saying that out loud i feel it just feels so true you know that we're all gonna um, it's something you know uh, i mean uh, bringing our um that the fact that we're not immortal and and we all know that we're eventually gonna leave this world it's like if I achieve all these things at the end of my, you know, thinking about at the end state, will or is it about what if I just felt super content and at peace right before I was about to leave this world and know that I was a good person, I did a lot of good in this world, I lived in alignment with my own values, and I touched people's lives, and that's it. You know, maybe it's just that simple and we're trying to make it way too complex. So yeah, back yeah. to that um, simplification of what are the true things that we want to cultivate, um, whether it be certain relationships and meaningful um, service. And, and it doesn't have to be over the top. We don't have to be a Tony Robbins. We don't have to be, you know, like... I think it's great if you are, but you don't have to be that on that so big level. Like we touch people's lives every single day. And can we be content with the day-to-day -day interactions with the people that are already in our lives? Thank yeah. you so much, Diana, for taking the time to have this conversation. I know all three of us really needed this. So I appreciate you coming in with such a interesting topic and some so much wisdom to share on it so thank you
And thank you guys for, for inviting me here in this beautiful space and to have these beautiful conversations. And obviously you guys have so much wisdom too. I think it was just something we all feel, you know, really passionate about talking about. So it felt just good to have this discussion um, and, and, and take that time to really um, see what the big picture of life Mm -hmm. And thank you, Priyanka, for, for this beautiful podcast. Um, I feel like it's so needed in this world of just raw conversations um, in dentistry, unfiltered, just, you know, from the heart. <laughs> thank you so much, Diana. I mean, it's just amazing to have these conversations and, you know, talk about things that people don't always want to talk about you know, because it's leaves us in a vulnerable state. And it's just so important that we were able to have it. So thank you so much. Um, and thank you to our listeners. And we hope you guys enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.